0: Wonderful reminder. That's really where Christianity is, isn't it? It's not up, up in front. It's along with the Lord and behind the scenes. So thank you. Another great uh, Ron Hamilton song. And um, appreciate his life and ministry. Proverbs chapter 14 tonight. Proverbs chapter 14. We are in verse number 15 tonight. Proverbs 14 and verse number 15. And. Um, <clears throat> Once more, we're going to try to give you a statement from each verse that I think can encapsulate the truth that we find in that verse and make it, I hope, easier for you to remember and understand these Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 15. The Bible says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Heavenly Father, please help me through your Spirit to communicate these truths and these wonderful verses that we might apply these principles to our heart and to our life. Lord, we need your wisdom. And Lord, you promised if we asked for it, we could have it. You said get wisdom, and with all that getting, get understanding. It's our responsibility to dig for it, to look for it, to seek it, to ask for it. And so thank you that you promised to make it available if we if we search it. As we search for hid treasures, you'd give it to us. And so tonight, Lord, we're just trying to dig a little deeper and find these truths that can help us. In Jesus' name, amen. The simple believeth every word. Now, remember the three main characters of the Proverbs, and that is uh, the simple man. That's the one that doesn't know any different. And then there's the foolish man. That's the guy that uh, uh, knows what he ought to do but refuses to do it. And then there's the wise man. He knows what's right and he does it. And wisdom is in the action. Wisdom is in the application. Wisdom isn't just a lot of fools. Listen, foolish people oftentimes have more knowledge, obviously, than the simple. They know what they ought to do. And if you ever become satisfied with just knowing what you ought to do and not doing it, then the Bible says you're lying to somebody and that somebody... Is yourself, and you become self-deceived. And so here's the simple man again. This is the one who doesn't know better. The Bible says, "The simple believeth every word." The simple believeth every word. There's a lot of voices in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of voices. Everybody's got a channel. Everybody's got a commercial. Or so, there's a lot of voices in the world. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent. The prudent. What's prudent mean? Cautious. There it is again. We've seen this first, this word several times, and see it again here coming up. But the prudent, the cautious man looketh well to his going. Very simple, and I'm sure you could probably come up with this yourself. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Do you know in the Bible that if uh, if uh, if you couldn't bring hearsay? Uh, to the magistrate And if you did it would be ignored uh, You say well I heard so and so did such and such That's fine that's good and well Did you see it? No Did you hear it? No Okay thank you so much Next That's that That's all in Deuteronomy 19 Hearsay Now It's one of the saddest things Is how many opinions we form Over hearsay how many, how many thoughts and ideas? And here's the thing about it. When you listen to something, you shouldn't listen to you can't get it out of your head. The Bible says you cannot but speak to things which you've seen and heard. That's part of the, your brain, God, God made you that way. You may not be able to recall it as quickly as you'd like to, but it's in there. And you can't get it out. And so, uh, so we ought to be careful. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, right? We teach, uh, the little ones. Don't believe everything you hear. Uh, first of all, consider from whom the advice is coming. Consider from whom the advice is coming. Remember this little skit we had week, uh, I think it was week before last, up here. And we made this point. The, the, the one most anxious to give advice. Remember, I was the shop owner. Remember this illustration? I was an auto shop owner. The one most anxious to give advice is likely not the wisest person in the conversation. Now, that's not always true, but that's typically true. We should weigh advice and the source. You know, the world is shameless about this. The world is absolutely shameless. Who is on the television giving relationship advice? Who are the world's spokesmen? giving relationship advice somebody that's been married for 50 years no they're shameless they have no shame somebody's been married four or five times can't figure if they like boys if they like girls and they're going to tell the rest of us how to have successful relationships seriously (laughs) listen Uh, anyway don't be simple don't believe everything that you hear Weigh the advice. Weigh the source. Don't be gullible. The simple believeth every word. Now, there's something in this. Innocence is a beautiful part of the simple man's life. There's so many things that a simple man... Remember, remember, again, it's it's not wrong to be simple. It's wrong to stay simple. But simplicity is a beautiful thing in a certain stage of life. You're going to be simple about things and and, and innocent about things. And innocence is a beautiful part of the simple man's life. There's things he doesn't know yet. How fortunate. He'll learn them soon enough, won't he? In this world we live in. Now, young people, let me say this again. I've said it before and I'll say it again before we finish this series. I'll say it. Don't you ever be embarrassed about being innocent. Don't you ever be embarrassed about what you don't know. When when it's time for you to know some things, the godly people in your life will talk to you and tell you. Some of you think you're an expert because your seventh grade buddy told you something on the back of the bus and the truth is you're a ding-dong. You think you know something and you don't. What you do know is twisted. I love that little story. Uh, Corey Ten Boone was uh, of, uh, an incredible woman of God who went around the world giving her testimony and sharing Christ after her family was all killed uh, in the Nazi concentration camps. She was miraculously spared, and her and her family, of course. Uh, were from Holland, and they uh, family was watchmakers, and they harbored Jews in their home and actually built false walls and things in their home to harbor the Jews uh, to spare them from Nazi extermination. And they were finally caught up with and wound up in concentration camps. and uh, But she tells a story in her book, The Hiding Place. Some of y'all read it last year in the high school. And it's a beautiful little story. And uh, she, her teacher had read a poem in class and a word was used, it's not a swear word, but it had a certain connotation that she had not heard before. And uh, when the teacher read that, uh, somebody in the class snickered a little bit. And so she, here's this little 10-year-old girl, just innocent she could be. She's on the train with her dad. And her dad's carrying his watchmaking equipment and parts and stuff like that in a suitcase, pretty heavy. And he put it up top, you know, or, uh, well, where he put it, I don't know. But anyway, he had the suitcase with him. And uh, as the story goes, uh, she said she just come right out. She had asked uh, somebody in the family, it might have been her mom or her aunt, and they just blushed, didn't say, didn't say anything. So she's on the plane with her dad, excuse me, on the train with her dad, and uh, and she just blurted it out. She said, "Dad, what does th- this mean?" He didn't say anything. Sat quietly for several minutes. They get ready to get off the plane. And she thought, well, whatever this word is, I guess we're not supposed to talk about it. And uh, and they got, they got off the plane. Dad set his suitcase down in the, in the aisle there and said, uh, honey, uh, grab Dad's suitcase. And carry that for me, if you would, please. And here she, and it's a heavy suitcase. She picked that thing up, and she's trying to drag it along. She goes, Dad, I can't carry this thing. And then he sat back down and looked at her and said, sweetheart, you don't need to carry this suitcase right now because you're not you're not strong enough to carry it. It's too heavy for you. And sweetheart, it's the same thing with knowledge. Some knowledge is too heavy for you to carry at your age. And when you're old enough and strong enough to carry it, then dad will tell you about that. That's a pretty good answer, isn't it? Amen. Now, young people, listen. If you've got people in your life that want to protect you and tell you you can't look at certain things, you can't listen to certain things... You you, need to, you ought to thank God for that. Amen. Because guess what? Once you, once you expose your mind and your eyes and your ears to things, you can't erase them. You can't erase them. Listen, enjoy your life stage. Enjoy that season of simplicity, that season of innocence. And you run from anyone who wants to tell you things your mom and dad are not ready to tell you. I said, run from them. Walk away. Adam and Eve were innocent until Satan educated them. And for the first time, they learned some things. They learned shame. They learned guilt. They learned embarrassment. So, Kids, be cautious. Turn your eyes away from smut. Run from foul mouth kids. Go straight to your mom or dad. Point your finger at the dirty kid and say, He's talking dirty. I said, that might embarrass me. That might probably be a good thing. The kids, you get on a bus. You get in a cabin. You get in a school bathroom. You get in a Sunday school class. Somebody talking to you just say, He's talking dirty! Church, this is your pastor talking to you. I'm not giving you permission. I'm telling you to do it. Hey, yeah. He's talking dirty. Hello. He's talking dirty. Hey. Yeah. Now I got. I got a question for you, young person. You got? A, have you got the courage to do that? We we taught our kids as they grew up. We ta- and this wasn't easy to do. We taught our kids not to look at other people's phones, and sometimes it's hard for them because good people, <laughs> good people say, "Hey, look at this." But in their effort to try to honor mom and dad, especially at a particular stage of their lives, what needs to do that? By the way, you ought to think about stuff like that. You ought to think about stuff like that. Y'all think maybe 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 it's not a big deal to you, and I'm not. I'm not saying adult. you know, I don't think anybody in this church, here tonight anyway, maybe Mr. Cook, but other than that, uh, would intentionally do something, to dishonor someone else's parents. I don't think that. But, uh, but you know what world we're living in. It's wackier and wackier all the time, isn't it? And, and, and we ought to protect them. I'll give you another thought. We we take it we, ever since our kids were this big. We carried them in our arms, took them sewing, them. they've been sewing in their whole life. And they and they're good sowingers too, by the way. They love souls, they pray for souls, and they win souls regularly. And they they've been mom and dad all these years doing that. But you know, when we were younger, we taught them this: we go in a house, dad said, "Sit here, honey." Why? I don't want my kids to sit down and I, and people they don't think. Yes, it's just crazy to me as somebody will leave a television on as background noise and the filthiest, nastiest, dirtiest commercials spew out the most ungodly stuff and nobody even notices. Now, I've come to a place in my life, I do it in in the hospital the other day, I just just reach over, I just just get the button anymore. I used to ask permission, I don't, I just pick it up. I'm going to turn this off. I have one out of a hundred people that said, "Well, look, we'll just turn it Now we'll just turn it off. <laughs> look, if you're going to be that rude to throw garbage up in front of me, then I'm going to be rude enough to turn your TV off. Amen. I, I said, we, "We've got to, we've got to, we got to work at it. We have got to work together." Amen. And uh, uh, and, and, and protect the minds and the hearts of our kids. Verse 16. Here we go. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. Here's a, here's a statement. Holy fear guards against the unholy. Holy fear guards against the unholy. That's a healthy fear. That's a fear of God. That's the right kind of fear of evil. Uh, it's not popular so much anymore, but back, I don't know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you there's stickers everywhere, no fear, no fear. Remember that? don't remember that? No fear. <laughs> uh, that's the attitude of a fool. <laughs> no, I'm not afraid of nothing. That's the attitude of a fool. There's a lot we ought to be afraid of. Amen? A lot we ought to be afraid of. The word fear here, a wise man fear, that's a healthy fear. The fear of God includes a, a, a respect for God. And awe of God, and a submission to God. You you don't you don't fear somebody if you just blow them off. So, young people, you ought to respect your your God. You ought to respect your parents. You ought to respect your leaders. And until you do something, you just blow them off. You have no fear. You have no fear of God. To, according to Romans 13, to respect your parents is respect God. To submit your parents is, respect, to, is to submit to God. To obey them is to obey God. That's what the Bible teaches. And you just, you just, and it, you, that you're doing that to God. You say, I wouldn't do that to God. That's what you're doing. When you blow your parents off or your teacher, pfft, that's what you've done that to God. That's what the Bible teaches. And, uh, you need a healthy respect for God a healthy research it, it, it amazes me. When kids got rebellion, this rebellion doesn't always carry an angry face. I see some of the sweetest rebels. Just sweet as they can be. Not mean, not ugly. They're just going to do their thing. I stand up in front of a lot of people and I, start, I say, okay, now look up here. As soon as I turn my head, it's like I don't have peripheral vision. I think every kid in the world thinks parents can see right here and that's it. And and as soon as I turn my head, they go right back doing what they're doing. Rebel. You're a rebel. I said, You're a rebel. Your parents give you instructions. As long as they're looking at you, you do what they tell you. And as soon as you turn your head, you go do your own thing. You're a rebel. You have no fear of God. You don't fear your parents. You don't fear authority. And let me tell you something. You got some hard times coming. Amen, Pastor. Moms and dads, you please feel free to say amen if you want to. Wise men have a holy fear. Fear of God. Wise men have a healthy fear of evil. Wise men do not trust their flesh. They realize that evil is not to be flirted with. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. He doesn't see how close he can get to it without getting burned. He, He gets away from it. What did Jesus say? He said, lead, uh, teach us how to pray. Lead us not into temptation. He didn't just say lead us from evil. He said, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. If you'll stay away from temptation, you'll come a lot further at staying away from evil. Don't even get close to temptation, the Bible says. When's the last time, and this is for all of us, adults, children, teenagers, everybody. When's the last time you walked away from bad company? When's the last time you walked away from an untoward conversation that was going in the wrong direction? When's the last time you walked away from that? When's the last time you turned off a movie you shouldn't be watching? When's the last time you deleted a contact? Boy, I'm so proud of this. I'm so so proud of what I'm getting ready to tell you. So proud of what I'm getting ready to tell you. This last year I was sitting and mingled a lot of tears with the family. And I looked, I looked at a mother. I said, Now, Mama, can I just be honest with you? I think your child has proven they are not mature enough to have this advice, this device. That's what I believe. And there's a lot of tears in the room. That's what I believe. Let me tell you what this young person did. I asked later. I said, uh, Did the device get, device get taken away? No. No, Pastor. The device was not taken away. When we finished our meeting, the child said, "My I think Pastor's right. I'm not mature enough to have this. Will you please take it? I'm going to tell you something. There's a hope for that child. I am so proud I want to burst. There's <laughs> a child that humbled themselves and realized that's a healthy fear. The Bible said you fear... A wise man feareth and departeth. You don't see how close he gets. Let me get away from this. Now, the fool, oh, I don't bother me. I can handle it. You're a fool. That's God sitting there. The fool rageth and is confident. Healthy fear. Verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. So let's take the first part of that verse. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. This is pretty easy to understand. Don't be a hothead. <laughs> Don't be a hothead. Soon angry means quick-tempered, and uh, when you lose your temper, that's when you end up doing something foolish. How many times have we, have I, have we, all of us probably, made foolish mistakes in a fit of anger? Said things we couldn't take back, done some things that couldn't be undone because we were miffed, we were mad. Instead of thinking first and then speaking, we spoke first. Now, listen, when your temperature, when your emotional temperature starts rising, it's time for you to count 10. Amen? And if it's not going down by 10, go ahead and make it 20. Some of you said, I got all the way to 3,498. <laughs> oh. but just, just, uh, you know, write it out. Don't have a short fuse is what the Bible is saying. It, listen, here's the truth. Listen, the truth is this. For, God, for God's people in whom the Spirit of God lives, the Bible says if we're filled with the Spirit, first thing that happens is our heart is just bursting with love. If we're filled with the Spirit, through the Spirit is first love. Then the second thing is joy. Joy. if you're filled with the spirit love then joy you enjoy life in peace long suffering gentleness all the way down to temperance here's the truth it should take quite a bit for you and I to get upset that doesn't mean that we should never get upset doesn't mean we should never get angry The Bible is very clear, verse uh, Ephesians 4, 26, uh, Be ye angry and sin not. So it doesn't mean you should never get angry. Be ye angry. There's times you ought to get angry. But what it does mean is that you should never let anger control you. You should never be controlled by anger. What does it mean to control your anger? All right, let me give you three things. Number one, decide what you're going to get angry about. Decide what you're going to get angry about, and don't get angry over anything else. Look, what was it? Was uh, what, what did uh, Apostle Paul say? Don't cry over spilt milk. Is that what he said? Somebody said. In a final analysis, the truth is, I'm oh, so frustrated. Oh, the, if we really stop and think about the things that we get angry about, and ask ourselves, you know, is it really? Is this Christ? Is it really? Is this really worth? getting angry over. Decide what you're going to get angry over and don't get angry over anything else. Number two, decide when you're going to get angry. Decide when you're going to anger. angry. Here's here's the truth. Here's the simple truth. Most of us, instead of living intentionally, we live, respond. We, 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 We respond to life. Instead of living life, we respond to life. Go ahead and write the third thing down, and that is simply this. Act, don't react. So decide what you're going to get angry about. Decide when you're going to get angry, and then act, don't react. Jesus Christ was not a toast, soft, effeminate, long-haired hippie who swayed when he walked down the shores of Galilee. No. He was a man's man. He was a carpenter. He worked with stone. And... He 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 got angry. He called the he called the uh Pharisees. He said, You're a bunch of vipers. Uh he called them whited sepulchres. He said, You're like a you're like a grave with full of dead men's bones. (laughs) I mean, he was he was plain spoken. But he didn't lose his temper. On two occasions he went up and busted busted up a party in the temple. And listen to what it says in John two fifteen. The Bible says of Christ, and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money, he got their money bags? shaking the money everywhere. How do you imagine walking to some place, getting the money drawer, and turning it over, you know, shaking it out everywhere? And then the Bible says, and then he, and, and he, and he overthrew the tables. I mean, he flipped the tables over. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. Jesus. Yeah. He was angry, but listen to me, he was angry on purpose. But here's what it said when he had made a scourge of small courts. Jesus did not walk in the temple and in the temple and lose his temper. He walked in there, he sized it up and said, Somebody needs to do something about that. He went, he found them some cords. He knotted them up, knotted them up, tightened, them up, tighten them, knotted them up, tighten them, knotted them up, tighten, tight, tight, tighten. Tight. He said, I believe this will do. Watch. <laughs> then he went to take care of business. It wasn't a fit of rage. Somebody didn't set him off. Listen, I think one of the most critical mistakes we make in our parenting is we let our children set the tone in our homes. We punish when we're frustrated, and otherwise we don't. Better for you to never punish than to punish when you're frustrated. If you will stay calm and stay in control and go get your little cord of rope or your paint stick or your little little switch, whatever it is that you need, and just Amen. And just calmly take care of business. Amen. But, 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 but here's the sad thing is, the sad thing is this, and I know this is Frank, the sad thing is this, we don't want to do that until the discomfort level rises to where it's intolerable for us. We're not interested in teaching and training our kids to be well disciplined. We're interested in keeping them out of our hair and not interrupting our lives. So we wait till they upset us, and then we go get something, and we do more damage than not. Right. Decide what you're going to get mad about, and then do it on purpose. Decide when you're going to get angry, when you're going to, uh, and how you're going to act, not react. Getting mad because someone cuts us off in traffic, or criticizes us, or embarrasses us, or slights us, or smarts off at us, is not a good reason to get mad. It's not a good reason to get mad. Uh, we all fall prey to it. <laughs> Y'all have heard my stories a million times, but I was pulling out of the driveway. In case there's one person who hasn't heard it, but I was pulling out of the driveway and trying to get to school on time, and uh, and I was cutting it to the to the last minute. I know that's shocking, but uh, cutting it to the last minute, and uh, and 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 it's, it's only happened one time. I had one time in the eight years of living there, and and anyway, uh, a school bus was we live on a hill school bus going right by my driveway as I pull out and I'm like what you gotta be kidding me and there I am behind this school bus going you know nine miles an hour (laughs) or whatever it was seemed like I had been busy that morning I'd been up praying studying the bible (laughs) being spiritual (laughs) and I didn't have time to drink my coffee so I took my coffee my favorite mug out the door I went and uh, I said we gotta get on it." so I'm gonna I'm gonna get get on it we're gonna get to school and I get in my drive, behind this bus, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, I, I, I want to be mad so bad. And I thought, no, I can't get mad. And then I thought, why can't I get mad? You're not supposed to get mad. You're the preacher. Well, can't preachers get mad once in a while, too? I'm having this conversation in my mind, you know. Stacy's in the back seat. Libby's up here. You know, they have no idea what's going on. And I just got, I, the, 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 the more I thought about it, the slower the bus got, the angrier I got. And I said, you know what? Why can't I be angry at least once in a while? And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to throw a fit right here. I'm going to throw my coffee cup at the window. And so I hit the button and I down went the window. And I took my favorite coffee mug full of coffee and just threw it right out the window. And as soon as I did, the wind caught it and blew it all right back over me. (laughs) And I remember Livia sitting in the front seat. She looked at me. She said, what just happened? I said, you just saw your daddy get chastised. (laughs) That's what happened. I got spanked. Uh, it, that was really a dumb thing to get angry about. How many times do we, we dishonor the Lord and get angry over something that doesn't even really matter? There's plenty. Of, hey, listen. Do you want to get mad about something? Get mad on purpose? There's plenty to get mad about. This stinking rock culture? This sodomite culture? Bunch of transvestites want, to, want exclusive access to the minds of our kids? There's something to get angry about right there. Get mad on purpose over something that's worth getting mad about. Get mad at the devil. That verse says, it said, A man of wicked devices is hated. Now follow me on this. Wicked devices. The angry man, listen to this carefully, the angry man will eventually become the wicked man that everybody hates. The man that gets angry will eventually become the wicked man that everybody hates. He'll go a step further in his sin and... And become a man of wicked devices. He'll become a schemer. He'll become crafty. He'll become good at devising creative ways. To retaliate against those who make him mad. And the Bible says. Everybody hates a man like that. Nobody trusts him. So the rash fool. Who throws his cup of coffee out the window. (laughs) Into the wind. The rash fool. Who continually does stupid things. Will definitely be ridiculed. But if he keeps on in his foolishness to the point of becoming cold-blooded and cruel, he won't be a joke anymore. He'll be hated by everybody. That's what the Bible says. We ought to be, listen, we ought to be embarrassed to get mad in a grocery store. A house. Get mad behind the wheel of a car. Get mad, you know, trying to buy a toy. We ought to be embarrassed. We're God's people. Amen? And And uh, we, we ought to be uh, not soon angry. Verse 18. The simple inherit folly but the prudent where's that word prudent what does it mean cautious the simple inherit folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge the simple inherit folly okay look at me remember the three main characters the simple the wise and the foolish right the Bible says the simple this is God doesn't know any better doesn't know right from wrong the simple inherit folly. So follow me on this. Without a change of course, the simple will become foolish. Without a change of course. In other words, if somebody does not intervene in the lives of the simple, he will become foolish. That's why wise men must intervene. So the verse says, the simple inherit folly. That's his inheritance. Again, it's not wrong to be simple, it's just wrong to stay simple. But if a man does not seek wisdom, if he doesn't get wisdom, if wise people don't intervene in his life, he is on a, the simple man is on a path to foolishness. That is his inheritance. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent, the cautious are crowned with knowledge. I'm amazed at how simpletons believe the fools, and despise the wise men. I'm amazed at people who don't know any better despise a mom and dad who've done so much for them, fed them, cared for them, clothed them, bought their toothbrush for the last 15, 16 years, cleaned their bed sheets, took care of them all these years. And then some some, uh, jerk, some fool comes along and tells them something they're like, oh, "Really, sixteen years? Your parents can teach you to be cautious, instruct you, get your license, get in the car with full one time, and you do something stupid to risk your life and other people's lives? That fast? The first step to wisdom is realizing you need it, that you don't have it, but that you can have it if you will prudently seek knowledge, if you will cautiously, carefully." Thoughtfully, sensibly, uh, 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 prudence, cautiously seek knowledge. You don't just go believe everything everybody wants to tell you. Refuse to let fools have access to your mind. Refuse to let fools have access to your mind. And let me say, foolishness is everywhere. Foolishness is everywhere. Fo- folks, listen. Foolishness is in the church house. Foolishness is at the... It, it's in, it's the, the it's bound up in our hearts, the Bible says. It's everywhere. It's at the grocery store. It's at the Christian school. It's at the Bible college. It's everywhere. Don't let fools have access to your mind. You kids are going off to college for the first time, listen to me carefully. Whatever college you're going to, listen carefully. You flee the fools. You run from the fools. You find out somebody's a liar. Somebody's not being honest. You get away from them. Be kind to him. Hello. And get out of Dodge. Get you another set of friends. Somebody's a rule breaker, get away from them. Look, let's be careful. If you're going to go to Christian school, or if you're going to go to Christian college, or any place, any institution, you're going to a military academy, I don't care where you are, and you don't have enough respect to follow the guidelines that are there for you to help you succeed, what in the world are you doing there? there? Why are you there? If you don't have enough sense to follow the guidelines of the folks that are trying to help you, invest in you, and help you reach your potential, go home! Okay. Everybody in go in back Baptist School knows this, and i have said it repeatedly, and I'll say it again for everybody here. we got we got a handbook. It's a good handbook, and you, you're going to read it. I hope you read it. I hope you don't lie, mom and dad. Say you read it, you didn't. And kids too. But you read that thing, it's good. It'll help us. But pastor has one rule, that I'm, and, and he and he just deal with that big book. I got one rule: if you want to come to Bailey's go back to school, you got to want to be there. And by what I mean, what I mean by want to be there, I don't mean be there so you can be with your friends, do your own thing. That means you got to want what pastor wants for you when you come to that school. And we clearly state we are here to separate you from the world, educate you, and indoctrinate you in the biblical worldview as found in your King James Bible. No apologies. It's on our crest. It's on our material. That's who we are. That's what we do. Now, if you don't want that, I, I hate it for you. But that's what we do. And parents, let me say this: Listen, we, we got. We have to pull together. Amen. We have to pull together, and we we have that spirit by and large. I, I, we really do, and I'm thankful. I'm very, very thankful. Uh, we do have something extremely special, and. and and uh, Mr. Cook and others can tell you, the kids have heard it so many times. Guests come to our chapel and and come to our school and talk about the unique spirit. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Very thankful for that. But young know, people, listen, to me. I love you to death. I I I can understand. I can understand. And I can tolerate a certain amount if somebody's not pulling with me. But I cannot tolerate somebody pulling against us. You understand that? You may not be jazzed about everything you have to do. And I'm okay with that. I want you to understand it and get to where you love it and want to be a part of it and pull, pull with us and pull us in the right direction. But you cannot pull against us. Does that make sense to everybody? Amen. Good. Amen. It's amazing to me how we so quickly open up our minds to fools. I thought, I think about this over here. I put this little thought down. He can go to camp, go to youth conference, go to a, a youth activity, come to a Sunday night in church and God get a hold of his heart and he's a young person, maybe a bus kid maybe not a bus kid, but get on fire and come in, he's got his Bible put him a little shirt and tie on, want to come to church look like he's going to church, you know and doing so good and three months later he'll come in with his hat turned sideways his grandpa's pants, ten sizes too big and uh a piece of costume jewelry around his neck. I think, seriously, that fast, you listen to an idiot? <laughs> listen to a fool. May I say this? We, as leaders, we as leaders, we as Sunday school teachers, we as bus workers, we as pastors, pastoral staff, we as school staff, we as parents, must intervene In the lives of the children that we serve. That verse again says. The simple inherent folly. That is. That's the natural course. If somebody doesn't intervene in his life. There is so much foolishness pressing in on his little world. Her little world. That is their inheritance. That is where the current of the world is going to take them. Unless somebody intervenes in their life. And reaches in. And loves them and says, I'm going to help you by God's grace. I'm going to see to it that your life is changed. Listen, Sunday school teachers, listen to me very carefully. Listen carefully, Sunday school teachers, be a life changer. Don't just stand behind a lectern, be a life changer. Bus workers, listen to me carefully, be a life changer. Don't just be a body on a, on a vehicle. Be a life changer. By that I mean in, in involve yourself in the lives of people. Invest in them. Know where they are. Love them. Pray over them. Get involved in their life and, 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 and change their life. I think about that beautiful little uh, um, drama that a couple years ago our high schoolers did. Friendship banquet. I think you used it at your latest conference. Uh, and it's, it comes with a little booklet called "Stay in the Castle," written by Pastor Jerry Ross. He's written some excellent materials. Every every mom, uh, if you have a daughter at home, or mom and dad, if you have your daughter at home, he's written a book on femininity. You ought to get that book, and you ought to read it and study it and teach it to your children. And dad, if you've got a boy in the home, there's a book on biblical masculinity. It's just absolutely phenomenal, and you ought to get it and and uh, incorporate it to your life, and study it and teach it. But anyway, when Jerry Ross was a Bible college student. He had a young girl who uh, was got saved and started coming to church faithfully, and much about her life changed. and um, And she moved to a different area, and so another bus was picking her up. And one day, the bus captain came to her and said, "And, and said, uh, 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 this young lady is struggling. She's struggling spiritually, and she's met a boy, and she fancies herself in love with him. and uh, and she's just struggling. She's, not, she's changing her standards. She's will not come to church faithfully. And, uh, and, and Brother Ross went to see her. And, uh, and, he, uh, and it was a little bit cold. She was a little cold toward him. He went home and wrote her a letter. And in that letter, he wrote a story. And the story is that little book called Stay in the Castle. And he wrote the story... Of a little lady who was waiting for her Prince Charming. She grew up privileged. She, but one day she went down to the village where it looks like they have all the fun, you know. And she started hanging out down there and she met a boy. She fancied herself to be in love. She was swept away and she married. And her life didn't turn out the way she thought it would. And the end of the story is her down in the village, and she's looking up, up up at the palace where she used to live. And the story ends. Here she is down in the village. And here comes Prince Charming, on his horse, up to the gate, knocks on the gate. The king comes out, there's a conversation. He drops his head, gets on the horse and leaves. He wrote that, it's just the most beautiful story. He wrote that story in a letter. Gave it to that teenage girl. She read that. She was convicted. She got her heart right with God. She got back in church faithfully. She broke it off with a knuckle-headed boy. And Mike and Lydia Lemma had been serving in Mexico. All these, we supported them for 20 years. Have been serving in Mexico as missionaries all these years. Why? Because one wise person said... I'm not going to stand idly by and let a foolish world sweep this girl away without a fight. And he poured his heart and soul. And God used that. That's what I mean. Be a life changer. Verse 19. The evil bow before the good. Oh, I like this verse. The evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The evil bow before the good. And the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Here's the statement: Right living commands respect. Right living commands respect. Notice, I did not say demands respect. I said commands respect. Uh, demand is uh, 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 is it comes from you to another person, but command is is what is uh, uh, when your life is what it ought to be. It will command. Others will respect you. There's something about you that they feel like, i got to show that person respect. It will command their respect. I'm talking about verbal. You respect me. That's no, not at all. Not a person seeking respect, but the who they are and their character, the way they speak, the way they carry themselves, their honesty, their integrity, it will command the respect of others. The lost people with whom we work, especially me, Um, The lost people with whom you work may not agree with all you believe. But if you keep a good testimony, a consistent testimony, they will respect you for what you believe. They may not agree with you, but they will respect you that you stand for that which you believe. Joseph's brothers, 13 years after, look at the verse, the evil bow before the good. Joseph's brothers, 13 years after they sold him into slavery, were bowing before him. Though they didn't even yet know who he was. Haman, walking through the streets, heralding Mordecai, whom he hated. God has a great sense of justice, doesn't he? I remember, I remember being 18 years old, maybe 17. It be the summer I turned 18. I think it was seventeen maybe still. I remember standing in Domino's Pizza in Hickory, North Carolina. There's about five, six people. But at first it was just one or two. And somebody made a comment and said, not, not me, buddy. And they laughed, they smirked, and then they said, Yeah, you absolutely off. You're lying and I said, No, no, that's not me, I don't do that. And they laughed and then they said, Oh, come here, come here, come here and I remember in my mind standing there and there's and, and, and of course, uh, most of them were adults that worked in there because they had to drive. So, and I remember standing there, maybe maybe half a dozen people, six, seven people standing around me, jeering me, saying, "You're a liar. You're not a virgin. There ain't no way." I said, "Yes, I am," and I plan to be until I'm married. And they just laughed. He thought that was the funniest thing. I remember that. In that same restaurant was my manager whom I've been trying to witness to. Eric was just as foul mouth as anybody you've ever heard, and uh, he was a he was a taekwondo master, and he was a pretty bad dude, but he was foul mouthed And uh, anyway, I I, I I know that kind of embarrassed me at the time, but it didn't it didn't harm me in any way. <laughs> I'm sure it was good for me. But I was like, yes, you know, that's, sorry. That's who I am. But you know what? Not not too far after that, Eric, who I'd been trying to witness to, came walking in the front door. He had been out of town for a week and came walking in the front door. Right about the time the phones were lighting up, about 5, 5.30. It was really starting to get busy. The phones were lighting up. He walked in the door. He said, hey, brother, and kept walking. Go back to get his apron, you know. And I was like, That's strange. As soon as I got a little break, I shot back there. And I said, what did you say when you walked in? He said, well, that's what I'm supposed to call you now, right, brother? I said, what do you mean now? He said, well, you know, once you're saved, you're supposed to call each other brother. I, was like, I said, what happened? And he had gotten into conviction had pulled over on the side of the road on his way back from Tennessee. He'd been on vacation and pulled over the side of the road, got on his knees, and asked the Lord to save him. And he said, "This is, I, I was by myself. Is that Can, I, can you do it when you're by yourself? I said, yeah, yeah, you can do it when you're by yourself. Now, listen, my, my point is this. And, and this is the funniest thing. After he got saved, my manager there, after he got saved, he put signs up in the store and said, no profanity. <laughs> he stopped cussing. He put signs of no profanity. Somebody come in late, you know, maybe a little tipsy or something. They say something. He says, hey, no, no, we don't allow that. You have to go outside and you're going to talk like that. It's customers. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Young people, all of us, we stand for what we believe. We do what's right. Amen. People are not necessarily going to agree with us. But if you will be the good man, the right man, the righteous man, the man of integrity, it will command the respect of others. Let me give you one more. Verse 20. Look at it. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor. But the rich have many friends. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor. Here's the statement. The world knows little of true friendship. The world knows little of true friendship. I remember my childhood friend who went off to Hollywood when I went to Bible college, coming back some years later and said this, Hollywood is a dog-eat-dog world. It's interesting, isn't it? That's by somebody who lived in it for decades. Hollywood is a dog-eat-dog world. When you have nothing, that is when you find out who your true friends are. And if you have nothing, don't despair because there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor. This world knows little of true friendship. Let me give you something about true friendship. Let me give you a couple statements and we'll be done. Real friendship, John 15, 12 through 13. Listen to the verses. Jesus said, this is my commandment that ye love one another. As I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. So here is the biblical definition for friendship. Laying down your life for another. That's biblical friendship. Laying down your life for another. By the way, I think that might bring you to the point where you die for someone, but I don't think that's the primary teaching. He doesn't say die for another. It says lay down your life for another. I believe what he's talking about is living for someone other than yourself. Real friendship is laying down your life for another. Laying aside your priorities, uh, uh, laying aside your convenience, uh, laying aside uh, your dreams, your desires for another person. Here's another thought, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend, here's a second thought, a friend will stay with you when you're down. (laughs) A friend will stay with you when you're down. Listen, the friend that is done with you because you took a step in the right direction was not your friend in the first place. When you get some moral courage and you say, you know what? I'm going to do right. That, 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 that young person who said to their own parent, I think pastor's right. I don't think I'm mature enough to have this device. If those friends don't all of a sudden want to back away, they weren't friends at all. Not friends at all. A friend loveth at all times. There, listen, you know what? There's, there's no such thing as an ex-friend. There's no such thing as an ex-friend. We used to be friends. There's no such thing in the Bible. No, you, you could say, I used to think he was my friend. <laughs> but you can't biblically say we used to be friends. What you can say is that, uh, I, I thought they were a friend, but not, evidently not. Because a friend, what? Loveth when? At all times. Friendship can be expressed at any time. But it is not proven until adversity comes. Listen to that verse. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friendship can be expressed at any time, but it's not proven until adversity comes. You can talk friendship and express it with words and so forth, but when the chips are down and the adversity has come, and you stand by someone in adversity... That's when friendship is proven. The, ver- the Bible says also... A couple of final thoughts. The Bible says also, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man at the countenance of his friend. Look, young people, listen. If you're in the company of somebody and your face drops, then that's not a friend. Iron sharpeneth iron. The anvil on the knife... Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Listen, you're, if you're around the right kind of company, your face ought to brighten up. Amen. It'll brighten up. Not be more sullen. you will be happier. Amen. The right kind of friends will sharpen you. They will never dull you. Listen, you listen. A real friend will never try to get you to do something you know you ought not do. A real friend will never try to talk you out of your convictions. I've had that several times in the years. People would because the pastor and I, you know, I not really think you need a you know, man. know, man tried and tried and tried. Six months tried to get me off the King James Bible. I was as kind to him as I could be. He'd give me stacks of papers. I filed him in file 13. This round plastic container with black plastic bags in it. It's right under my desk. Thank you so much. God bless you. Go out the door. File 13, amen. This, this is the Bible's Word of God, amen. amen. Is it hurting you that I believe the Bible's the Word of God? Why would you try to convince me that it's not? Hello? Friends don't ever try to get you to go against your convictions. If you have a friend, you're fortunate. But you're more fortunate if you are a friend. If you offer friendship. Now you're the best of all if you got, if you are a friend and you have a friend. Amen. He said, I don't have any friends. He that has friends must what? Show himself what? Friendly. So don't advertise your selfishness by saying, I don't have any friends. <laughs> Get busy and be a friend. Amen. Get busy and be a friend. Be a friend. Show true friendship. And it won't be long until you have friends as a gift from the Lord. Amen. Father, we love you.